Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Upside Down, a verse-by-verse study of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Here's Pastor Nick. Please open with me in your Bibles to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. So 1st Thessalonians, feel free, if you're not sure where that's at, feel free, you you know, God bless you with a uh, table of contents in the uh, opening part of your Bible so you can find your way there. If you're using your phone, then you've got it made because you can just uh, go into the app and find that real easily. First Thessalonians, we're starting a new series today in which we're going to be studying through First and Second Thessalonians, and we're going to begin by reading our text, which will be the whole first chapter of First Thessalonians. So let's begin by reading this text, starting in verse 1, First Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And as we study it, as we go into these verses, Lord, would you enlighten the eyes of our hearts? Lord, would you give us understanding? that we might not just understand these words, Lord, as information, but Lord, that they would have power in our lives, that they would have transforming power as we give our hearts and give our lives over to you. Lord, would you turn those things uh, in our minds on their head that are not right? Lord, would you turn us upside down in the best way possible? And Lord, we pray that as you do that, Lord, equip us, use us for your mission that you've called us to. Lord, we just dedicate this time to you. We give you our attention and our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you would agree that we live in a world where there are a lot of things that are not the way they ought to be? They're not the way they should be. Maybe you look around at the world and you see things and you say, okay, I get that that's how it is, but that's just not the way that it should be. It's not the way that it ought to be. There's something about it that's not right. You know, maybe people are selfish and mean, but it shouldn't be that way. Maybe people are unfaithful or petty, but that's not the way it ought to be. And you could go on with that list, of course. You know, when Jesus came, what he did is he taught values and principles which were completely upside down from the way that people naturally tend to think. Think about it. In a world that says, if you hurt me, I'll hurt you back. Jesus came and he said this. He said, no, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. 
In a world that says, love your friends and hate your enemies, Jesus came in and he said, no, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In a world that says, get as rich as you can and accumulate as much stuff as you can, Jesus came and he told us a story about a man who did exactly that, a man who would be considered a success in the eyes of the world, but Jesus called that man a fool. He said that man, he he was a fool because he did nothing to make himself rich toward God. He did nothing to prepare himself or invest in eternity to come. In a world that says, always look out for yourself, look out for number one and do whatever makes you happy, Jesus said, no, don't do that. That would lead to all kinds of bad things, right? Rather, look for ways that you can serve others. Rather than exalting yourself, humble yourself. In a world that says, don't let anyone else ever tell you what to do, Jesus came in and said, no, don't be your own master. Rather, submit your life, submit your plans and your will to God. Make him your Lord, your master. Everything that Jesus taught, Almost everything, right? It was completely upside down and backwards to the way that people naturally tend to think. And yet we, we live in a topsy-turvy world, don't we? We live in a world, like I just mentioned, that in which there are many things that are not the way they ought to be. They're not the way that they should be. We live in a world that often calls bad good and good bad. And, and that means that if we live in a topsy-turvy world, Jesus comes in with his upside-down teachings, And that is exactly what we need in order to turn this topsy-turvy world on its head and make it right side up. You see, it's not just the world, though. It's not just culture and the world out there that's topsy-turvy and upside down. It's also us. Do you guys realize that? We are not the people that we ought to be. It's not just the world out there. It's not just some people. It's us as well. And so Jesus came And he came proclaiming to be a king who came to establish a kingdom. And yet his kingdom, he said, was not like any other kingdom the world has ever known. His kingdom was an alternate system which functions on different principles than the kingdoms of this world. For example, Jesus said this. He said, the rulers of this world domineer over their subjects, but it will not be so among you. He said, no, in my kingdom, the first shall be last and the greatest among you will be the servant of all. The Bible tells us the big story of the world and what it tells us, right, this big picture story, it tells us that God created the world and when he created it, he created it good. Everything he created was good, including us. But something happened that turned the world on its head. Something happened that affected everything. We were given a choice. And given the choice, we chose to push God away. And the result of our rebellion was that sin came into the world. And with sin, imperfection, things were no longer the way that they were originally meant to be. And a myriad of consequences came into the world as a result of sin entering the world, including death, disharmony, hatred, lust, selfishness, pride, and etc. You can go on. The good creation was turned upside down. It retained much of its original goodness. It wasn't all lost, right? We still have beauty and joy and goodness in this world, but it's tainted and it's twisted and it's upside down. But God made a promise, didn't he? He made a promise that even though we had gotten ourselves into this mess, he would be the one to act and to fix it. Even though we had turned our backs on him, he would not turn his back on us. Rather, he would intervene in our world to make things right side up again. And in the fullness of time, 
This is a story that the whole Bible together tells, that in the fullness of time, Jesus came into the world to do just that, to turn this topsy-turvy world on its head, to make right the things that are wrong. And he did it in an upside-down kind of way, didn't he? He, he? His victory came through defeat and death, victory through loss. And, and the Bible tells us that as a result, the day is coming when everything in this world will be turned on its head. Power will be shifted. Values will be changed. Every tear will be wiped away. Pain and sin and death will be no more and everything will be made right the way we all know deep down in our heart of hearts that things ought to be. And the good news is this. You don't have to wait until the world to come in order to experience that upside down kingdom. You can experience that kingdom even now in part by making Jesus your king. He comes into your life, you submit your life to him, and he absolutely does a work of revolutionizing things, turning things around. In Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, we are gonna meet a group of people whose world was turned upside down in this very way. They heard the gospel, they responded to it, and as a result, they began to see things completely differently, didn't they? Their attitude was completely turned on its head. They began to see obstacles as blessings from God. They began to love their enemies. They began to have hope rather than despair, even in the midst of unrelenting hardship. They forgave their enemies. They reached out in love to those who had hurt them. They gave up their autonomy and submitted their lives to God. What made them act that way? What made them respond that way? And, and even more importantly, how can we then also experience that same kind of revolution in our lives that they did in their lives? That's what we're gonna be looking at here in this series that we're calling Upside Down, in which we're gonna be looking through the books, of, we're gonna be studying verse by verse through the books of First and Second Thessalonians. You know, here at Whitefields, we, uh, we're Bible people. Somebody was asking me about our church the other day. They're like, so tell me about your church. I said, what can I tell you? I'll tell you this. We're Bible people. That's what we do. That's what we're about. We study books of the Bible. We love to go through them verse by verse. And guys, that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Right now, you guys have perfect attendance, right? If you keep this up over the course, I mean perfect attendance for this series, over the course of the next few weeks, if you stick with us, you will have studied through two entire books of the Bible from beginning to end. And I believe that as you do that, it will affect your life. It won't just, you won't just grow in knowledge, but it will affect your heart. It will affect your mind. You will grow as a result, as a person and in your relationship with God. And so I wanna challenge you to do that and commit to this series. You see, in 1 Thessalonians, what we have is a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to a church in Thessalonica, which is a city in Greece. Paul had started this church and he had been their very first pastor. But his time there in Thessalonica was cut short. In chapter three, Paul tells them this. He tells them, you guys, you are my glory and my joy. That's what he says. When I think about you, this is the truth. You are my glory and my joy. Paul loved these people. He was proud of them and he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to spur them on. Think about riding a horse, right? When you're riding a horse, it's moving and you spur it on to do what? To get it going even more, to get it going even faster. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to encourage them. He said, you guys are doing great, but I want to spur you on even more. Do even better. He also wrote to instruct them. You see, Paul's time in Thessalonica was cut short. 
He didn't get to stay there as long as he originally planned. There were a lot of things he still needed to teach them. There were a lot of unanswered questions that they had. And so Paul, he writes this letter to instruct them. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. But in order to get the, the full picture, we need to go back to the book of Acts in which we read the backstory on the church in Thessalonica. So feel free to turn there if you'd like, just to have it in front of you. In Acts chapter 17, Paul was on his second missionary journey and he wasn't alone. He was with a few other people. There was a guy with him named Timothy, who was one of his uh, disciples, you know, one of person he was mentoring. He also had another guy with him named Silas, who was also known as Silvanus. And they were a team in this missionary journey they were on. You know, we send missionaries out. We have some out right now, as a matter of fact. They usually go for, you know, 10 days, two weeks. Well, these missionary journeys lasted for several years. So they were on this second missionary journey uh, for several years as a team, these three men. And notice how this letter begins. Uh, as opposed to other letters, which are just from Paul, this letter begins differently. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy three people, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. These three guys are the ones who had originally come to Thessalonica, and they signed their name here at the beginning of the letter. Why do they sign their name at the beginning of the letter? We always write our name at the end, right? Well, the reason they put their names at the beginning of the letter is because in those days, they wrote these letters on scrolls. And a scroll like 1 Thessalonians could have been two or three feet long. And you consider this is a relatively short letter compared to some of the other ones that went out. And so, you know, if you get a scroll, you open it up and you immediately see, okay, who is this from? How much attention do I need to pay, right? Like, is this all state just fishing for more business? And then you just don't even read it. Just imagine how much of a bummer it would be to like get uh, junk mail back in the day and like a scroll and you got to like unroll this thing like five feet just to find out, oh, you know, dear resident. Okay, well, it's a bummer. But now they open it up and they see, oh, Paul, Sylvanus, Timothy, those are the guys who came to us. Those are the guys who started our church. They are the ones who came and risked their own lives to bring the life-giving message of the gospel to us. They would have been dialed in. They would have been tuned in. What do these guys have to say to us? What do they want to say? And, and so for sure, when they saw who had written it, they would have been excited. Now, the city of Thessalonica, it's now today the second largest city in Greece. It goes by the name of Thessaloniki. It's in northern Greece in the region which even today is called Macedonia. Back in that time, it was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. And it was a major city, one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. The story of Paul's arrival in Thessalonica is found in Acts 17, but the real story actually begins a chapter earlier, in chapter 16. And again, feel free to just browse over that with your eyes as we talk about this. Here, here's what's interesting. I find this fascinating. Paul never actually planned to go to Thessalonica. It wasn't in the cards. It wasn't something that he, uh, you know, had planned to do. It wasn't something he intended to do. Paul's plan was to go in a completely different direction, to a completely different place. He wanted to go to the province of Asia, which was a, a Roman province in modern-day Turkey. 
but it didn't work out. It says that God forbid him from going into Asia, which is a little weird, right? I mean, it's not like he was going there to sell drugs or like, you know, commit fraud. He's going there to start churches and preach the gospel and God shuts the doors in front of him. You can imagine he must have been confused. He must have been kind of disappointed and wondering, God, what? I'm trying to do something good for you. Why would you not help me out here? Why would you not open the way before me so that I could go? So he said, okay, fine. That door's closed. I'll go somewhere else. So he tried to go to another Roman province in modern day Turkey called Bithynia. But it says there in Acts 16 that the spirit of Jesus did not allow him to go to Bithynia. Again, very strange, right? Now, how many of you have ever had a plan for your life, uh, an idea of how things were going to work out, you know, whether it's a six-month plan or a year plan or a five-year plan or whatever it is, or a plan for your entire life, and, and you plan, this is what's gonna happen, you're praying for it, you're planning, and then it all falls apart, and it doesn't work out the way you planned. Everywhere you turn, Closed doors, right? Closed doors slammed in your face. It seems like nothing you want to do works out. It's frustrating, isn't it? You can imagine, again, put yourself in Paul and his friend's shoes. It's a confusing time. It's a disappointing time. You're wondering, you're questioning God. God, why would you not open the doors wide before me? I'm trying to do something good. You can imagine they must have been questioning God. Why is he not helping them? Why is he allowing things to go the way they're going? But it was in that moment of frustration and confusion and disappointment that God spoke to Paul in a vision. Here's what we read in Acts chapter 16, verse 9. It says, in the middle of the night, Paul got a vision of a man of Macedonia. Now remember, where's Thessalonica? It's the capital of Macedonia. And he spoke to him in this dream, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. God wanted to take these guys, these missionaries, somewhere where they had not even planned to go, somewhere that wasn't even on their radar. He wanted to take them to Europe. And we all know the history, right? Christianity in Europe has, from there, reached the whole world. And it wasn't even on their radar, though. They just wanted to stay in their own little small region, not even leaving Turkey. God wanted to take them somewhere else, do something even bigger. And so God directed them, how? By hindering their plans, do you get that? Do you know that that's true in your life as well? Sometimes God directs you by hindering your plans, by shutting the door in your face. And then he showed them the next direction, the next step that they should take. You know, one of the questions that people often ask me is, how can I know God's will for my life? Like, how can I know what God wants me to do? I've got all these different options. I've got all these different directions I can go. How do I know which one I should choose? Well, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Here's what it tells us, some wisdom for knowing what to do. It says this in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. See, we all have dreams. We all have hopes of what our lives are going to be like, where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And sometimes God makes those dreams a reality. But other times, God wants to do something completely different than what you've dreamed and what you've imagined and what you've planned for yourself. And, and again, other times when God wants to do that, sometimes he wants to do something else that's very good. We believe that all of God's plans for us are good, right? And so the question is this, are you willing to hold your dreams and your plans with an open hand? 
Are you willing to submit all of your dreams, all of your plans, all of your life over to God, knowing and trusting that he's a good God and that he has a plan for your life that is actually better and bigger than anything else that you could have planned for yourself? You know, one of my mentors always used to say this. He said, consider yourself a penny in God's pocket. Just be a penny in God's pocket that he can spend wherever and however it pleases him most. See, it doesn't mean that God's plan will then be free of problems and difficulties. No, we see that as they go to Thessalonica, they almost get killed. And yet that's exactly where God wanted them to be. But on the whole, the end result, as you submit your plans to God, it's going to be good and glorious and beautiful. You know, David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, he, he brought the gospel to the interior of Africa. At the time he did it, Africa was the least Christianized place in the entire world. To this day, uh, much, to do, uh, much due to the work of David Livingston, it is now the most Christianized place. Sub-Saharan Africa has the higher, highest percentages of Christians per capita than anywhere else in the world. And so this man, David Livingston, was used by God to set all of those things in motion, to explore the interior of Africa and bring the gospel. But did you know that originally he didn't plan to go to Africa at all? He was trying to go to China, and it didn't work out. The mission agency wouldn't send him to China. So he's like, well, I guess I'll go to Africa, and the rest is history. William Carey, the man who pioneered the modern missionary movement in India, he originally planned to go to Polynesia, but again, it didn't work out. The doors were closed, and so he went to India. Me, I, I was trying to get to Hawaii, but I ended up here in Longmont, which is also good, I guess, right? Like, um, but... You know, I've known a lot of people who wanted to do good things. Uh, they wanted to get married. They wanted to have children. They wanted to go somewhere and do something. But the doors are just closed. And I've seen people, you know, get laid off from their jobs. And like Paul, sitting there in Acts 16, you can't help but be confused and frustrated and wondering, okay, God, like, what, why? Why is this happening to me? And the question you need to ask yourself in those moments is this. Are you willing to submit your plans to God and embrace his direction for your life, even if it wasn't what you originally hoped for or envisioned or planned? See, Paul and his team, they embraced this new direction that God had given them to go to Macedonia, even though it was something that wasn't what they had originally planned or envisioned for how they were going to spend their time and spend their lives. But the end result was something great and something beautiful. When they got to Thessalonica, it says that they started telling people about Jesus, proclaiming this new king. And some responded and others didn't. But from those who responded, they formed a church. And that church started meeting in the house of a man named Jason. See, these the early churches, they didn't have buildings. They didn't have fancy cathedrals. No, they were meeting wherever they could. People's houses, parks, down by the river. The church in Philippi originally met down by the river. And then they, uh, they met in some lady's house, right? This church here in, in uh, Thessalonica comes together and they just fill up this guy's house. And they go in there and they study the word of God together. Because the church, guys, it's people. It's not buildings. And so they... What happens, though, is that this mob hears about these people coming to town and proclaiming Jesus, this king, and they don't like it, so they surround the house of Jason, and they drag these Christians out into the streets, and says so they took them before the authorities, and listen to what they said about them. They said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. 
Let me just say that again. These men who have turned the world upside down have now come here also. And they went on to say, these Christians, they are telling everyone that there is a new king named Jesus. See, Christianity hadn't even come to Thessalonica yet at this point, but their reputation preceded them. The word on the street was that there were these Christians out there and they were turning the world upside down. They were changing cities. They were changing the culture of that day. And these people didn't like it. They didn't like the idea of someone coming in and changing their town and changing uh, people in their town. See, as Christianity was spreading throughout the world, it was creating a revolution, one life at a time, turning lives and then communities upside down, but really right side up. See, Paul and his team, they ended up having to flee because of this angry mob that wanted to kill them. They were only in Thessalonica for three weeks. Imagine that, guys. This is like speed church planting. Come into town, preach the gospel, form a church, and then get chased out of town by an angry mob. Three weeks you're in town. They had only just begun teaching them uh, the word of God, these new believers. But they said, hey, we gotta go. We're gonna get killed. So we entrust you to God. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.